Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Angry Officer. Appreciate you tuning in, and uh, let's just get started. So, this episode, I kind of wanted to talk about, I guess, an experience that I had um, that honestly kind of kind of brought a little bit of, of hope me as an officer and it was kind of unexpected it's interesting how those things happen because they usually those things those moments of wow maybe maybe this stuff that I'm doing really makes a difference for some people because sometimes it's hard to tell quite honestly depending on what your uh, depending on what your assignment is but this was one of those things where I guess it was hopeful for me because I learned of, of a positive thing that happened because of something that I had done or at least been a part of years and years earlier. Um, so for me, it's kind of like out of darkness, there's this this little ray of hope, right? This this ray of sunshine, if you want to call that whatever. Um, but I'm going to explain the darkness, I guess, a little bit. Give a little, uh, give a little background, I guess, to why I call it that. Um, just so you kind of understand why, for me, and maybe you know, for those listening, maybe, maybe you're thinking, you know, you might think, well, gosh, that doesn't seem like that much of a, you know, I mean, you know, it wasn't that big of a uh, event or whatever to, you know, that would make me think that it was a ray of sunshine or whatever, but it was for me. And so I'm going to kind of explain the darkness. So this was when I was a patrol officer still. Um, if you've listened to some of my others, you, you probably have figured by now that I am no longer a patrolman. I have a different assignment. And basically what a patrolman is, is you are, you are on the street, you're, you know, you're working the streets, and you respond to calls of service. So somebody calls 911. You know, you call in 911. It goes into a dispatch center. The dispatch center then decides, is this a police call? Is this a fire call? Is this a, a, an EMT or, you know, a medical call? And then they dispatch accordingly. And, and it's not uncommon for all three of us to get dispatched to the same type of call. So it just really depends. But... <clears throat> The reason I say darkness is when you're working patrol, it's negative. So day in and day out, you're dealing with these mostly negative calls. And trust me when I tell you, it takes a toll on you. Um, it's just the way it is. I've already mentioned in one of my podcasts earlier that I tell new officers all the time, you will change. You will not be the same person when you've done this for any length of time. Um, because of these things, you're, it's going to change you. And very often we get very, um, oh, cynical. And that's just kind of, I think, how we deal with some of that stuff. It, it weighs on you, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with this negativeness day in and day out. So when I say darkness, that's kind of what I'm talking about, just so you kind of understand. And keep in mind, I did this for a long time, so that darkness tends to weigh heavily on you after, after time. 
one of the things that I kind of didn't mention, but that I personally found to be very hard to deal with when I was in patrol was you'd go to these drug calls. Um, you'd go to somebody who's using drugs and, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing these little children that are in their homes uh, and these mothers and fathers or boyfriends and girlfriends or whatever they may be, these, these parents, um, these kids are being neglected. And, man, that was always hard for me. And I get this from my mom when I say, I can't tell you how many times I thought to myself, man, I wish I could just take that little boy home or that little girl home and, and you know, give them the love that they need to grow up and be productive citizens and have a, a good life. You know, I mean, that's how I felt a lot. Um, and so that was one of the things that was really hard for me was to see these, to see these children and the stuff that they, the stuff that they, um, that they went through when their parents were addicted. And over time, you also realize that kids grow up in large, you know, in large, not always, but very often they grow up and become their parents. So when you go to a house that parents, there's drug abuse and drug addiction, and they have little kids, um, many, many times, I can tell you many times I've dealt with parents when their kids were five, six, seven years old. And all of a sudden, five, six years later, I'm now dealing with those kids for the same reasons. And it's usually drug abuse, alcohol abuse, um, theft, whatever. Kids, kids tend to, kids tend to follow their parents. And so it's, it's sad because you see them in this, in this cycle and you know, when they're young, they're so innocent, but because of, because of how they, you know, how they, they were raised and what they've seen, you know, how they're going to, chances are, you know, how they're going to end up. And it's this vicious circle, and it's sad, and it's depressing, and to me, it's dark. And and when you do that day in and day out, it kind of weighs on you. So let's fast forward a little bit. Did that for for quite some time, and then I went into my 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 next assignment was a little bit different. I didn't respond to calls any longer, um, and I was able to work with youth, particularly high school age. And I had a health teacher approach me. At a, at a high school and say, hey, officer, we'd really like you to come in and speak with the kids about drugs and alcohol. I love getting in front of, love getting in front of teens and kids and people and, and speaking from the heart. And I, I, I very rarely prepare stuff. I'm way better when I'm just kind of off the cuff. So, but I knew how I wanted to approach this. I knew, I knew that these kids were 15, 16, 17, 18, 15 being the youngest. Most of them were at least 16 or older. Um, and I knew that for at least, for at least um, 10 or 11 years in school, every year when they have a drug, you know, when they have somebody come in and talk about drug abuse and drugs and alcohol, you know, they come in, they say they're bad, don't do it, just say no, you know, all those typical slogans. And that's all fine and dandy. But when I was asked to do this, I thought, you know, how do I want to approach this? I certainly don't have the perspective of an, of an addict. I've never been an addict. Um, I hope I'm never an addict in my life. I say hope. I never say never because I've seen that. I've seen people from all walks of life become addicts. Um, so that's why I say I hope I never become an addict. But up to this point, I haven't been an addict. So I'm not going to go in there. I'm not going to tell these kids and actually really, I'm not going to really hit home with them 
um, if I go in there and try and say this is this is what it, this is what it feels like to be an addict, because I don't know. What I do know, I know what it looks like from the law enforcement side. I know what drug and alcohol addiction does to our community. I know what it does. You there's you be, you meet an addict and you're going to meet somebody who will lie, steal, and cheat to do or do whatever they have to do to get that next fix. They'll. And the first person they're going to do that to, honestly, is their is their family and loved ones. And if you're listening and you know an addict, just think about that. Um, if they're to the point where they, you know, they have to have a, they're going to do whatever they have to do. So, you know, any, any I, I hear people all the time saying, I don't want, I don't want this to be all about addiction and stuff because that's not the point of this podcast. But I, I'm gonna, I'll, you know, I'll talk about that maybe another time. But um, you know, you hear people say that drugs is a you know, it's a victimless thing. If I want to sit in my house and get high, that's my business. Quite honestly, I, I probably used to buy into that a little bit, but I don't anymore. I'll tell you right now, um, it affects a community. It affects the neighbor. It affects your family. It affects a lot of people. So it's not victimless. If, if people tell you that, I'm telling you right now, it's that's not victimless. Um, so I thought, okay, what I'm going to approach this from the side of what what I see, what I've seen, what I've dealt with, and the effects that addiction has had on our communities and I like to tell stories and I like to tell experiences and share things and I think people love to hear that and so kids love to hear that you know these teens love to I keep calling them kids they're they're teens they're young adults they love to hear it and so I think the best way for me to make an impact on them is to speak from the heart but to give them real life experiences and it's a bit dark again like I said it's coming from a dark place it's a dark thing addiction's dark so one of the things I do is I come into the class and I start telling them an experience that I had. And I'm going to tell you that experience, and this is this is where the and this is where the light starts to come in. I guess personally, they know I I absolutely love kids. I love babies. I love children. I'm in this health class. I told this story. I don't even know how many times because I've done this several years. I've gone and talked to these classes, and and I don't always tell the same stories. I told like like I said I. I'm kind of better off the cuff, so whatever one comes to mind is the story that I tell. But this one comes to mind a lot. So I go in there and I tell them about an experience that I had. This was back when I was in patrol. I get a call. I get a call for a welfare check. Basically, what that means is somebody calls in and says, "Hey, I'm worried about this person. Can you check on them?" That's literally what you're doing. You're checking their welfare. Well, this particular time, the welfare was for a little was for a you know three and a half year old little girl. And the, the call comes in and they say, hey, you know, um, we need you to check the welfare of this little girl. We live in an apartment complex. She's constantly walking around this complex, unattended, you know, un, unsupervised, not being washed. Her clothes are dirty. Her hair is not combed. Um, you know, we're worried about this girl. Um, you know, mom's around, but never really around. <laughs> uh, so... I, by this point, I've done this enough. I, I, you know, I have a pretty good idea of probably what's going on. There's probably some addiction going on there. So we respond. We get to this apartment complex. We locate the, the, you know, and the neighbors are like, "Hey, this little girl, this little girl, come knocking on our door, you know, ask for a sandwich, ask for food. She's hungry." Um, I mean, to me, that in and of itself is is pretty pretty tragic. I think. So we locate the, the unit, we knock on the door, we end up going inside, and when we get inside, this is basically what we see. We see a mom sitting on the couch, and she's 
what we would say is on the nod. Now keep in mind this is in the this is in the middle of the day. This isn't this isn't ten o'clock at night. She's not sleepy from working all day. You know this is this is this is in the middle of the day. And this this mom's in there. She's on the nod. She can't keep her eyes open. And 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 you know any of you that's had the police come to your house, it it'll wake you up if you're tired and the police are knocking on your door. It tends to you know we tend to get their attention, um, especially if it's not a common thing. But this this particular lady, she can't keep her eyes open. I mean, we're trying to talk to her. She's on the nod. Her head's bobbing. We call that because her head is bobbing. Like when you're so tired. We've all been there. You're so darn tired. You just can't keep your eyes open. Your your head. You know, maybe you're trying to watch a movie. Whatever. Your head will your head will fall down and you'll break and wake back up. That's kind of that's kind of what it's like. Um, so she's on the nod. She can't talk to us. She can't. You know, and this little girl basically left to fend for her, fend for herself. Of course, of course, you know, we know what's going on. We've seen it before. We investigate and, you know, we find drugs, whatever. That's, those are little details. But to skip ahead, basically what happens is we end up having to call Division of Child and Family Services because this, this mother cannot, cannot take care of her child. And the child's suffering. Um, now... This is where the second part of this gets tragic. Kids love their parents for the most part. You might find a few exceptions, but for the most part, kids love their parents. doesn't matter how shitty their parents are to, are to them, honestly. That's still this little girl's mom. That's what she, who, she, who she knows. And, and so um, – if we call the Division of Child and Family Services and they have to remove the child from the home, it's traumatic for the child. You know, we're, we're pulling her, even though her mom's not taking care of her, and it's a necessity, you know, we have to. And that's pretty much, that's usually last resort. I mean, that's usually a, you know, we don't have a lot of options. We certainly can't leave the, the child there with this person. Um, and so that's tragic in itself for this little, for this little girl. Um, so, you know, the cards are stacking up against her. And... So in this particular case, that's exactly what happens. Child gets removed from the home. Um, you know, mom obviously ends up getting charged with, with possession charges and different things and goes to jail. And as a patrol officer, we're done with the call. We type the report. That's it. We might go to court, but for the most part, that's it. Okay, you just, and I'll just tell you, I just, after time, you just start to assume that this little girl, you know, who knows? We don't know. We don't know what happened to this little girl. I don't know. I don't know what the outcome is. I, you know, you start to assume that she's, you know, we might deal with her someday. She's probably going to be a drug addict. You know, who knows what, what she's going to do? Who knows? Mom may overdose. Who knows? But we leave and that's that. And we're left to, you know, day in and day out, you're dealing with those kinds of things. And as you can imagine, it can start taking a toll on you. So, back to the class. I'm in this class. I just get through telling the story. You know, I ask the kids, and I and I want it to be a bit shocking for them, honestly. And I ask the kids, you know, the question: Does the mom not love her daughter? And I'll get some kids will say no, she doesn't. I'll get most of the kids really will say yeah, she does. You know, and and I tell them what I think, and I think yeah, mom loves her daughter, but the mom's so addicted that she. 
you know, the, the addiction has taken over. Um, so I tell this story. Tell a few others. We talk about different drugs and the effects and whatever. And then class is done. Class is over. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm getting ready for my next class. No big deal. Well, when class gets over, I have this, this um, young lady comes up to me. She looks like she's probably 16. She comes up to me and she says, Officer, I just want you to know that little girl is me. Now, my first reaction is, nah, no way. Now, of course I never use names. I never get specific about things. So that was, in my mind, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, no way. There's no way. What are the chances? And so I say, well, I don't know if it was me. You know, I kind of try and, I don't know, not downplay it, but, you know, I just, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know if it was me. It was probably a different officer, but, you know. And she says, well, and she kind of starts giving me details. And, she, and we start, we start kind of, we kind of start thinking about the timeline. And the timeline's right there. It matches. And we're thinking about, we're talking about the, the, you know, the apartment complex that this took place in. That matches. This all matches. So as far as I know, this is, this is this little girl. And of course, once I come to the conclusion or the determination that it, it's a, it's a darn good possibility that this is her. You know, of course, my next question is, how are you doing? And you know, she said, she says, officer. I just want you to know that changed my life. It was still tough. I went to live with my father eventually. There were still some issues, she says, but that changed my life. That, that, that had an impact on my life to the point where, you know, for the better. And she, and she, she acknowledged, she says, yeah, there's, there's still issues. There's issues with my dad's place. She said, my mom is still an addict to this day. My mom is still an addict. And of course, I'm thinking to myself, wow, she's still alive. Good for her. You know, that's the, it's been, it's, it's, it had to have been a good 10. Yeah, probably, yeah, close to between 11 and 12 years that this had happened ago, that this had happened. Man, what, I, you know, I, I just have to say that probably had way more of an impact on me than it did her. I don't know. But what a, what a little ray of sunshine for in my darkness. And, and so when I say that, that's what, that's what I mean. For a minute, I think, wow, all those, all, those, all those people, all those calls that you deal with, and you leave, and you have no clue what happened after the fact. And you just assume that it probably wasn't good because of that cynical, you know, you get cynical. Um, that was a moment that I'll never forget as a police officer. A positive moment that I'll never forget. And you know, I would run into her again at the school. We would we would kind of talk about it a little bit. I would always ask her, you know, how are you doing? And I and I told her, I said, you know, I am rooting for you. Like, like you have no idea how much I want you to succeed. You have no idea how happy it makes me to see that. And she wasn't perfect by any means. None of us are. She still had struggles. Man, compared to where she's, you know, compared to where she was brought up from and the circumstances, she's defying, she's defying the odds. And I hope she continued to do that. I haven't actually seen her talk to her probably about a year and a half or two years. But the last time I saw her, 
you know, we, we talked about, you know, what are you going to do? What are your plans? You're getting close to graduating, which in and of itself is an accomplishment. You know, just the fact that she's going to graduate high school to me is a win. And, uh, you know, she had plans. And I actually think about her very often. And I wonder how she's doing. I wonder where she's at. And I, and I honestly, I pray to God that she's still on the right track. And I know she's going to be, I know she's going to have a bumpy road ahead of her still. But, but to me, that was a little bit of lightness coming out of the darkness, you know, a little bit of ray, a little ray of sunshine coming out of the darkness for me personally. Um, and so when you, God, you know, I've had a few experiences like that. I'll probably talk about some of them as we, as I go forward with this thing, but, um, that's, that's when you realize, because there are times as an officer, if you've been, I, I bet I would, I would dare to say most officers out there that many times in their career, they've scratched their head and said, why? They've scratched their heads and they've said to themselves, why in the hell am I doing this? You know, why am I putting myself through the heartache and the darkness and my family? Why am I putting my family through it? Because I'm telling you this, the bad thing about it is they're the my family, they're the ones that probably take the brunt of my um, cynicism and my, I guess, anger or whatever the issues may be, it's the family. And so you ask yourself, you know what? Like I said, there's probably not an officer out there or very few that haven't said to themselves probably many times. I'll just tell you, I'll just speak for myself. I've said many, many times in my career, why the hell are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And I, I have other skills. Like I could do other things. Trust me, I did it. I did other things before I ever became a policeman. Right? And I was successful at it. Um, just, just this very day, this very day on the job, I thought to myself, what the hell are you thinking? What are you thinking? Why are you putting yourself through this? Why are you putting yourself through the scrutiny, the, the, I don't, I don't want to call it harassment, but sometimes maybe that's what it feels like. Um, most people treat us really well, especially where I work. But every once in a while, you get that person that, that when you think to yourself, man, all the crap that I've gone through and done, and this is this is how, this is the thanks I get. And that's not a good attitude to have, and I try not to have that attitude, but I'm human. You know, I can't, I, I don't know. I guess I can't help but to feel that way sometimes. But but then all I have to do is think of, think of like this experience, and I think, okay, all right, that's why. And it always happens at such the, such the, Whenever you're least expecting it, I've been at the gym, you know, that's how I get out my, that's how I work out my frustrations, that's how I deal with some of this, um, you know, some of this, this stuff that you, this is how, that's just how I work out my, I guess, my anxiety or my anger, whatever you want to call it. I'm really not an angry person, that's why this, this, if you know me, you probably think, well, depending on how well you know me, you may think, angry officer with him yeah i don't know if i'm seeing it but if you know me well you probably have seen it but you know that's how i work it out is i, I go to the gym and I, I do those kinds of things and i've had people come up to me at the gym and and say and these are people that i've arrested that come up to me at the gym and say hey thank you what you did helped me um i've been in a restaurant i've been 
at a bar. I've been lots of places, you know, in the middle of the classroom. When people have come up and expressed to me, you know, their gratitude. And that's why, that's why we continue to do what we do. Sure as hell ain't for the money. Sure as hell ain't for the praise. Because most officers are, they don't want to be recognized. It's, it's, it makes you feel uncomfortable almost when you get recognized like that. You know, honestly, we do it because it's our job and that's what we want to do. Um, and every once in a while, it does feel good to know that you've helped somebody out. So, that's all I got for this episode. Um, again, I really appreciate everybody who's been tuning in. I've gotten some great feedback, and I appreciate that. If you have something you want to say, suggestion, something you want to hear me talk about, please reach out to me. You can get a hold of me um, by email. My email address is theangryofficer at gmail.com. Um, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, you can get to me you can get to me through Instagram, through Facebook. I have both Instagram and Facebook page, both of them are the angry officer. And please um, like my stuff. And if, if you've enjoyed it, just pass it on. Pass the word on. Um, and uh, until next time, um, this is the Angry Officer, and I am out of here. <laughs>